uh, talk to you today from a title that I want to call Trust the Process. Trust the Process. Thank you. I got more than I got this morning to 930. Y'all are already killing it. So. <laughs> Uh, so I don't even have to give you all my spiel about me being a black man and needing you to talk back to me and all that kind of stuff. Y'all already got it. Amen. So, all right. So I'm going to uh, talk to you today about trust, trusting the process. Um, and what I'm submitting to us today is that hope is the process. And so I'll be in uh, John chapter 14 today. Um, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6 today. Uh, and I want to say, uh, just parenthetically, just as a, as a little commercial, um, again, that uh, Epiphany, we, we, we so value Valley Point Church. You guys are, are amazing, amazing friends of ours and partners. Pastor Eric and I, uh, who I'm so grateful for, um, extended an opportunity to me today to, to come and share with you all. Um, he is a super cool, like ninja-like intellectual professor type of dude who's just like amazing and he's a good 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 friend um, and I'm so thankful to uh, to stand here in his stead today and share the word uh, but also to thank you guys again for your partnership with us um, we were recipients of your Christmas offering um, for 2021 and it was such an amazing blessing to us uh, your giving was um, was was a joy to our hearts and it helped us to advance the kingdom in the city of Wilmington so we're so grateful to you guys again for that. Uh, so John chapter 14 today, verses 1 through 6. Y'all pray for me. I don't have my, 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 my preaching Bible. My preaching Bible has big letters. <laughs> and I'm nearing 40, so I'm like, I need, I need my big letters today. <laughs> but um, let's read together. Uh, if you don't have it, we'll have it up for you here on the screens. Amen. It says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. Some would say mansions. If not, I would have told you. And he says, I am going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. So that where I am, ye may be also. Somebody say also. also. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas, that old Thomas, always has something to say. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we even know the way? And Jesus responded to him with these beautiful words. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, your word. Father, we pray, God, that as we um, hear from you today, Father, that our hearts might be open, that our ears might be open. Father, I pray today, God, that we would walk with clarity and hope today, knowing, God, that 
that you are our father and that you are a good father. And so, Father, I pray today, God, that you will bless our time together. God, I pray that you would uh, speak through me today, God, as I, as I speak to your people today, God. I pray, God, that they might be encouraged by the word, God, uh, and God, that they would um, allow the word to enter down deep into their hearts today. Let them have ears to hear today what the spirit has to say to the church. And so, Father, I pray that by your spirit, in Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen, 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 amen. So there was a man, um, sounds kind of weird, but he was approaching a Little League baseball game one afternoon. Um, He didn't have a kid there. He was just watching the game. And he asked the little boy in the dugout, he said, hey, what's the score? And the little boy responded, and he said, well, it's 18 to nothing, and we're down. So the man says, boy, you've got to be discouraged. To which the little boy confusingly looked at the man and he said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. (laughs) Now, I wish I had some believers in the room who understood that as long as you still have an at bat, there's still hope. As long as you're still alive, there's still hope. As long as you're still breathing, there's hope. As long as you still got your mind, there's still hope. But most importantly, as long as you've got King Jesus, there's still hope. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Maybe I do need to give my speech. Listen, I am a a black man from uh, the south side of Camden, New Jersey. And and, uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Listen, if you hear something you like, you can say amen. If you hear something you don't like, you can say ouch. Um, you can even point at me. It won't bother me at all. You can point at me. You can yell at me. All those types of things work for me. Like, they work for me. So whatever you need to do uh, to respond, do that. Because if you want to get out of here on time, listen, you might want to talk back to me. Because if you don't, I'm going to think you don't understand what I'm saying. So I'm going to keep on going. Amen. So, uh, so as long as you've got King Jesus, amen. There's still hope. Amen. 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 And so what's the, what I want to say to us today, the first thing I want to help us to understand in our mind this morning is that we have to understand that hope is a process. And so hope is the process that we go through as we're navigating throughout life. And when difficulties and trials come in our lives, we need to understand how to hold on to hope. And so the first place that you have to hold on to hope is you have to have hope in your heart. Jesus says to them, he says, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. This idea of, of, of troubled, it, it talks about the, the inward commotion in our hearts. It talks about the things that try to take away our calmness of mind. It talks about things that stir us and agitate us. One of our greatest impediments to trusting the process is our own inward commotion. It's our own inward state of confusion and the noisy disturbances that are in our minds. We we find ourselves being confused by the circumstances of our day. We are constantly battling with our own confusion. We ask questions like, am I good enough? We ask questions like, do I have what it takes? We ask questions like, will will I be able to sustain this place that I am in my life? Will I be able to to, to navigate throughout this this place that I'm in? We, We have this commotion in our hearts 
that if we're honest, it forces us into anxiety, depression, and doubt most of the times. See, the, the commotion in our hearts causes us to lose our sight in the midst of the process. And so what happens is, is when, we are, when we're facing trouble, we're oftentimes troubled. When the reality is, is that even though you face trouble, you don't have to be troubled, but you can navigate throughout life with a sense of surety and hope, knowing that Jesus is by your side. Amen. And oftentimes what we do is we walk around looking like, the Joel Embiid crying meme. Anybody remember that? Like, when after they lost to the Raptors, ouch, yes, after they lost to the Raptors, he was walking around crying, rightly so. That man was upset. And then you know how we do on the internet. Like, we take advantage of people's brokenness on the internet. And so they started posting this meme about him going around crying, when in reality, there was no need for him to cry because he had the franchise tag on him. And see, as believers, what we have to understand is, is that when we go through trouble, when we go through trials, we've got to recognize that we've got a franchise tag on us as well. It's a, because the scripture lets us know that our franchise tag is this, is that God says, you are mine. He tells us that we belong to him. It tells us that one day we're going to be with him for eternity. That's our franchise tag. And it's the thing that we get to hold on to. So we don't got to walk around like Joel and be crying. Ouch. But here's what the reality is. is this, this, this word uh, for troubled can also mean to stir or to agitate the water. And oftentimes we stir the water in order to test the temperature of the water, right? Um, when I grew up, we had to wash dishes by hand. Um, we didn't have fancy dishwashers and stuff like that. We had to wash them by hand. And what would happen is, is that you had to wash the water with the right, you had to wash the dishes with the right temperature of water. Because sometimes what I would do is I would let the water get cold because I'd be procrastinating and not really wanting to wash the dishes. And so my mom would come by and she would test the water. She would put her hand in there like that. And she, what she was doing, she was agitating the water, getting some of the soap to come out. But what she was really doing was testing the temperature of the water so that you weren't in there washing her dishes with cold water. And oftentimes what happens is that trouble comes into our lives to te test the temperature of our hearts. Sometimes trouble comes in our lives to agitate us and to test the temperature of our lives. And what we have to begin to understand is, is that when we're testing the temperature of our lives, is that we've got to understand that Jesus refers, wants us to be hot. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to be on fire for him. And we have to be able to stand and navigate through the test of life. See, one of the things that happened a few years ago, my, my wife and I, we bought a new uh, washer and dryer. And so the, the washer is, is, is new, it's fancy, it's kind of cool. It's got all these buttons on it and stuff like that. And so when we got the washer, uh, I was a little bit confused because the washer didn't have the little column thing on the inside of it that sticks up and turns the, the clothes around. So I asked the guy who was delivering our stuff, I said, hey, where's the little spinny thingy? And he was like, don't know what you're talking about. And, <laughs> and I was like, you know, the little thing that comes up and it, it kind of spins and, you know, turns to clothes. And he's like, 
you mean the agitator? And I was like, yeah, yeah, the agitator. That's what it's called. But I learned something that day. What I learned is, is that it is the agitator that actually cleans the clothing. And so what we have to understand in this life is that God will use agitation to cleanse us and to make us into what he wants us to be and to cleanse us so that we look more like him. See, God will use the agitation of trials and frustration. He'll use the agitation of difficulty and pain. He'll use the agitation of all of those things to cleanse us and to make us into what we're supposed to be. And so as we look at this, what we get to see is, and that was better than you said amen, because listen, what we have to understand is, is that agitation has a purpose. We've got to understand that agitation and difficulty in our lives serves a purpose, but that's what Jesus is differentiating for us here today. He's saying, listen, you might be in trouble, but don't let your heart be troubled, He's letting them know. He says, listen, instead of you being troubled by your circumstances, here's what you do. He says, believe in God. Now, as he's telling us, he's saying, listen, you got to learn how to believe in God. This, this believing, it talks about being persuaded that God is in control. It talks about us being persuaded that our hope doesn't rest in our circumstances. Our hope rests in our Christ. Our hope rests in our Savior. We have to understand that, that, that hope is not based on the situation that you find yourself in, family. Hope is based on the, is based on the Savior that you have. And if you just hold on to the savior if you can just hold on to the king if you can just hold on to the one who has all power in his hands then you won't have to worry about the difficulties that you face in your life and you don't have to be troubled he says believe in god believe also in me this idea here is that we have to be persuaded of jesus's power to work in our lives See, what happens is sometimes we get so confused, sometimes we get so, 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 so frustrated because we're not remembering his power. See, we're, we're a lot like Israel. We're a lot like Israel who, who we, we got through the Red Sea and then we, we forgot that God delivered us through the sea. We forgot that God parted the waters and allowed us to walk through, walk through the sea on dry land. We forget that. We forget that we were trying to get out of Egypt and God freed us out of Egypt. We forget that while we were wandering around in the wilderness, God provided for us every single day of our lives. We didn't even have to go out and get and find the food. He brought the food right to us. We forget that God is our provider. We forget that he's our protector. We forget that he's our healer. We forget that he's our deliverer. We forget all of these things because we're not persuaded of his power to work in us. And so if you're going to be persuaded of his power, you got to also be persuaded of his care for you because Jesus cares for us deeply. And so even in the midst of of, of trials, even in the midst of our worst day, we still have a Savior who cares for us and loves us deeply. And so here's what I want to give you today. I want to give you a, a little acronym to help you understand what hope is all about so that you can hold on to God in the midst of your hope. Here's the first one. The H is this. Is the H is hold on to God's word. So here's what you got to know. God is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. That's good news, family, <laughs> that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do. 
And so in this life, we got to learn how to hold on to God's word. We, we got to learn how to hold on to his word. And the way that we hold on to his word is sometimes we got to get off of Facebook and we got to have our face in the book. Sometimes we got to get off of IG and we got to get with the real IG, the immutable God, the invincible God. We got, we got to learn how to do these different things and learn how to navigate throughout the Christian life so that we can hold on to the hope that we have by holding on to God's word. The next one is this is, is O, we have to have an optimistic outlook. We have to have an optimistic outlook because we've got the one who holds the future in his hands. See, Jesus is the one who holds the future in his hands. Nothing is outside of his control. Nothing is outside of his reign and his rule. And so what we have to begin to understand and be confident in is that we can be confident in our future because we are confident in our Savior. And when our Savior holds, when we hold on to our Savior, our future always looks bright. When we hold on to the Savior of the world, the future always looks good. Because we know that we have a future with him that is better than our present. Here's the next one. P, we need purity in the midst. We need purity in the grace of God. Here's what you, uh, I want you to understand. Hope and purity go hand in hand. Here's the reality for some of us. Sometimes when we're facing difficult things, we start to navigate into impure spaces. Sometimes when we're facing difficult stuff, we will do things that we know we shouldn't do in order to alleviate the pain that we are experiencing. Sometimes when we're in the midst of painful things, we will do some things that we know we shouldn't do in order to escape from the pain that we are enduring. But what you have to understand is this is that hope and purity go together. How do I know that? First John chapter three, verse three says this. He says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. And so we got to learn how to hold on to purity in the midst of trial and suffering instead of navigating away from the, the, the way that God wants us to live our lives in the midst of suffering. Here's the next one. Y'all all right? Here's the next one. Okay. E is enduring. So H is hold on to God's word. O is have an optimistic outlook. P is having purity in the grace of God. And E is enduring no matter what happens. See, we need endurance. <laughs> we need endurance, family of God. We need endurance in our lives. We need to learn how to endure. We need to learn how to endure through trials and difficulty and pain because life is filled with trials and difficulty and pain. And so sometimes we, we don't know how to endure is because we don't think that we should endure. We don't believe that we should have to go through anything. We think that everything should go exactly how we want it to go. We think everything should be perfect and everything should be sun, sunshine and rainbows all the time. But that's not the reality of our lives. The reality of our lives is that we have to learn how to endure no matter what happens. And here's why we endure. Here's why we hold on. is because our hope is in heaven. 
Our hope is in heaven. Verse 2, hear this. It says, in my father's house are many mansions or rooms. I'm sorry. I learned it in the King James Version. Forgive me. Um, And listen, nobody's ever going to be able to convince me that it's not mansions. (laughs) Like, I believe that. It's mansions. Like, a lot of the, the, the more current translations, they say many rooms. But I believe that it's mansions waiting up there for me in heaven. Whole lot of mansions. That's what I'm believing, Okay. Um, we could debate about it later, but he says that in my father's house, there are many mansions or many rooms. That means that according to Jesus, heaven's a real place. It's not the, it's not the product of some religious imagination. It's not the result of some psyched up mentality. It's not the result of looking for some pie in the sky. That's what the culture would tell us. But heaven is a place where God dwells and where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Heaven is a place described as a kingdom, is a place that's described as a country in Hebrews chapter 11, is a place that's described as a city in Hebrews chapter 11, is a place that's described as a home here in John uh, chapter 14. My favorite one is in 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 4. It talks about heaven being our inheritance. And see, when you are in Christ, heaven is your inheritance. It's something that belongs to you. It's, 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 it's a thing that, that, that's been given to you by your father. Heaven is your inheritance. And Jesus is letting us know. He's saying, listen, in my father's house, there are many men. In my father's house, in heaven, there is an inheritance for the believer that they can hold on to. That as they're walking throughout the difficulty of life, as they're walking throughout the, the, the uncertainty of life, one thing is certain that they can hold on to this is that after this life, they can go and be with the father forever and so what he's telling them he says listen you got to learn how to navigate through this because jesus is clear he says that all there's in, in his father's house in heaven there's many places for you to dwell he says and i'm going away to prepare that place for you and if i go away and prepare a place for you i will come again and take you to myself so that where i am you may be also. This idea of preparing, Jesus uses the language of betrothal in this passage. We don't really understand betrothal, but it's this idea that the bridegroom or the, or the, the husband is going away to prepare things for the bride during a period that we would call an engagement, Right? During our engagement parents, we just like do cool like uh, engagement things and like we set it up with cameras and stuff like that so that everybody can see how we proposed and all that stuff like that. That's not what this is. Uh, what this is is that, that it, there was an actual preparation process that, that the husband was going through in order to make sure that this person, this woman that he committed himself to, he's going to make sure that when she enters into relationship with him fully, that there, everything in her life is prepared for her. And so what he's doing is he's saying, listen, I'm showing forth my commitment. When Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you he's using the language of betrothal and he's saying listen i'm so committed to you that i'm preparing something for you so that when i go away guess what don't worry i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna come get you and when i come get you i'm gonna take you back with me so that when you get back you're going to get to a place that's fully prepared for you because i'm committed to you and so what we have to understand is that Jesus' commitment to us His commitment to us as his bride, to the church, as his bride, is a place where we can hold on and have hope. Because we know that if Jesus is preparing it, 
then it's going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> that if Jesus is preparing it, that it's going to be everything that we long for. If Jesus is preparing it, then it's going to be everything that we need. And so he's saying, I go and prepare this place for you. And I'm going to come again so that where I am, you may be also. The writers of the book of Hebrews in, in Hebrews chapter 6, um, he talks about hope as an anchor for the soul. He talks about it as a firm and secure foundation, something that is sure and steadfast. And when he talks about this anchors, it, 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 as I was studying this, it, it took me to this, to this Old Testament idea of hope. The Old Testament idea of hope, the Hebrew idea of hope, when you look at the word, it's oftentimes translated as the word rope. And so, really cool, hope is a rope, okay? You got that? <laughs> but it talks about this idea of a rope, something that you're adhered to, something that you're connected to. And when he talks about hope in this sense, I see the, the writer of Hebrews, as he's writing this, he's saying, listen, we have an anchor for our souls. So imagine the anchor at, 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 the, at the bottom of this rope that he's pulling up and he's, or he's dropping it down, letting it down so that he stays secure and steadfast in his place. He's probably a fisherman writing this. He's saying, listen, we got an anchor that we can hold on to. Anchors keep you from drifting. See, and this works because sometimes the winds and waves of life are coming about and they're very strong and they're trying to knock us about. And he's saying to them, he says, listen, that the anchors keep you from drifting and anchors only let you go. But so far, sometimes we need an anchor in our lives that keep us from going off the rails because what happens in the midst of difficulty and uncertainty, sometimes we go off the rails. Sometimes we try to go out and do things that we shouldn't. Sometimes we go and navigate life the ways that we should not navigate life but when you got an anchor it holds you in place and when you've got an anchor it keeps you from going and being tossed about by the waves and winds of life and so when you go through challenges as a parent you got to know that hope will hold you when you go through challenges on your job you got to know that hope will hold you when you go through challenges in different places in your life you got to know that hope Will hold you. And here's the last idea I want you to capture before I take my seat is this is that we hope in him. We hope in him. So Jesus goes on in verse six, uh, verse, verse four. He tells him, He says, You know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus tells him, He says, Listen to me very clearly, I am the way the truth, and the life. This, this language that Jesus is using to, to say, I am, is very intense language. It's a very intense way of referring to oneself. It's, it's very intense. And some would say that it's comparable to saying, I myself and only I am I. <laughs> like, it's, it's very, very intense language. So several times, Jesus uses this language in the Gospels to describe himself. He uses it uh, to say, he says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and Jacob. He's, he, he's using this language to, to, to say this a lot. But when he's talking about this, he's, he's also using very strong language to describe what he is. So he's using strong language to describe who he is. He says, I am. But he's also using strong language to describe what he is. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I am the way. 
Now, we read that in English and we kind of just go over it. But when we look at it, it's, it's, it's really the use of a definitive article which distinguishes himself, listen to this, as the only way. So Jesus is not just saying, I'm the way, I'm one of the ways. He's not saying that. He's saying, I am the only way. He's saying that I am the only truth. And he's saying, I am the only source of life. And so what we have to understand is, is that when we talk about hope, we're not talking about hope in somebody who's just a, a, a person who, who's declaring something. He's saying, no, listen, I'm declaring myself to be the only source of everything that you need. I'm the only source of truth. I'm the only source of life. I am the only way to the Father. No one goes to the Father but by me. Jesus is declaring himself. He's saying, listen, I am the only path. I'm the only true measure of righteousness. I'm the only source of both physical and spiritual life. I am the only way the only truth and the only life and once you understand the truth of those words you'll be changed see when you understand the truth of those words you'll be changed because when we follow him in the way we can be assured that we're following him all the way to heaven so as we understand this family i want us to understand that our hope can be in no one else but in jesus Everything else will fail us. Everything else will disappoint us. Everything else will let us down. But when we place our hope and our trust in Jesus, there's nothing in this life that can deter us. And we can be fully rooted in Christ when we understand our hope. I want to close with this quote from G.K. Chesterton. He says this. He says, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is merely a platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. And so family, we live in the midst of a world and a culture that is hopeless. We live in the midst of a world where everyone around us is dealing with a sense of hopelessness. And let me talk to you about who you are really quickly. As a follower of Jesus, what you get to do is you get to be an ambassador of hope for people. And if you're in the room today and you're a follower of Jesus, you, you ought to see that as your responsibility is that every space that you walk into, every space that you enter in, is a space for you to be able to bring some hope. People ought to look at you and say, how is it that you're going through that cancer diagnosis and you're still got joy? How is it that you're walking through this difficult trial with your kids who won't listen? Like, how is it that you're, you're still hopeful in the midst of this? How is it that you're navigating this relational difficulty with your spouse and, you're, and you still have this sense of joy about you? How is it that you're walking through all these difficult things in your life and you still got hope? The reason for our hope is Jesus. He's the only reason for our hope. Without it, <laughs> we, would, we would have nothing. He is the only source of hope for us. And as believers, we get to carry that hope with us everywhere that we go. The supermarkets and the grocery stores at the doctor's office. We get to carry that hope with us. And that hope is just not a hope for us individually. It's a hope for the entire world. So that when people see you, 
a believer, a follower of Jesus, they ought to long for something. They ought to long for something more than this life can offer them. And that's whether you're rich or poor, (laughs) wherever you are, hope in Jesus offers you something more than this life could ever offer you. And we get to be messengers of that hope. Maybe there's somebody here today who doesn't have hope, who's struggling with that, and they don't understand how to get to that. We want to pray with you and pray over you right now and ask the Lord to allow hope to enter into your heart so that you understand that your hope is in heaven and that your hope is in him. So stand with me. I want to pray for you. And then I'll dismiss you all. Father, I pray today by your spirit, God, that you would lead us today, guide us, strengthen our hearts today. God, I pray that we would be marked as people of hope. God, as we leave this place today, let us leave with a conviction to live our lives anchored by the hope that we have for our souls. And God, ultimately, help us to see that hope is not an object, (laughs) but hope is a person. Jesus is our hope. He's our only hope. And Father, I pray that we would be messengers, agents of reconciliation. God, I pray that we would be ministers of hope. God, I pray that we would be declarers of hope. God, I pray, God, that we would be exemplifiers of hope. God, I pray, God, that hope, God, would permeate from our lives so that the people around us who are in need of hope will be able to see that the only source of hope, the only source of life is found in Jesus. God, I pray that you will bless these, your people. God, send them on their way today full of hope, full of courage. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.